1: Hello Devils fans and hockey fans, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. Joining early in the morning here on the weekend because, you know, we never sleep when it comes to hockey coverage, even though hockey isn't really much to cover right now, gotta say. And we decided to dip into our pool of past Devils games, Devils legacy wins, uh, some playoff ones, some regular season ones. We chose a playoff game this time from a season that We've already covered on this podcast, but we covered a game that took place, what was it, two games before this one? It was the Game 7 between the Devils and the Florida Panthers, and John Fisher is joining me to break down today, Game 2 between the Devils and the Philadelphia Flyers that took place, I don't remember if it was still the Wachovia Center, Uh, no, it was the Wells Fargo Center already in Philadelphia.
0: You are absolutely correct. On May 1st, 2012, it was starting at 7.40 Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Savings Time. it, it Look, it doesn't matter. It was 7.40 <laughs> in the evening at the Wells Fargo Center. Over 20,000 in attendance, all most of them wearing really hideous orange uh, jerseys or the playoff T-shirt that said, Great Balls of Flyer. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, Dan, it's yet another example of why I regard them as the second-rate rivals and not our hated second rival.
1: <laughs> well, so let's give a little bit of context. And we gave a lot of the context of the 2012 season when we talked about that Game 7 win. And that Game 7 win wasn't possible without the Game 6 win that preceded it also in overtime. And coming into this game, too, the Devils actually played yet another overtime game as they lost in Game 1 to Philadelphia as Danny Briere scored once, had it waved off, and then scored again to give the Flyers the game one win and now at this point the devils are coming off of three straight overtime games in the playoffs and they also received the news that most people suspected i think going into this series but it was that Ilya kovalchuk had a lower body injury and wasn't going to be able to play in this game too and you can kind of tell as you look through the florida series that he's been uh, hampered and in game one against the flyers he definitely wasn't feeling himself so they left him uh, in new jersey to receive some care and he did not participate in game two which was a big deal the devils are down one nothing in this series already they're on the road and this is a potent flyer scene that was putting up a lot of offense against the penguins so this was a very very big important game and this is the game where the momentum really swung in the series and watching this back you can even tell the period in which the momentum swung in this series
0: Right, and just to really emphasize the context here is that Kovalchuk was a top ten NHL scorer in 2011-2012. Right. <laughs> the Devils' offense was led by Kovalchuk, Zach Parise, Patrick Elias in that order. Um, since they had they were without Travis Zajac for most of the season due to a um, pectoral in- injury, which gave Adam Henrique his uh, shot, who was then a rookie. Um, but the Flyers were an absolutely stacked team on offense, led by Claude Giroux. As mentioned, the aforementioned Danny Briere, uh, a, a burgeoning Jacob Voracek, uh, they had a lot of useful role players ben and Reims, Max Talbot,
1: all those staples. A, a of young the
0: Flyers, a young Couturier. Mm-hmm. Um, the Flyers, like in retrospect, you could argue that this was kind of an odd season for them because one, I think, expected it wasn't necessarily guaranteed that they were going to be a good team, mm-hmm. but it turned out that Couturier turned out very good. Matt Reed turned out to be very good. Simmons fit fit them like a glove. Uh, a lot of things went their way, so to speak, and Brisgolov had a very good season. And on top of that, they just beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in a series that could be described as, well, defenseless, since there wasn't much in the way of uh, defending or penalty killing in that series. As the Flyers went some ridiculous, like 45% point uh, power play conversion rate, something ridiculous in that they, level.
1: They had something like what, like 10 goals. In the first six yeah, games ten. against the penguins
0: 10 power play goals and that's something like 10 out of 26 so that's it's just remarkable, and I want you to—I want everybody to keep that percentage in mind because it does play a role in this particular game.
1: Mm-hmm. And another thing that plays a role in this particular game, given the absence of Ilya Kovalchuk, is the fact that the Devils went with seven defensemen in their lineup, which pushed Peter Harold to a forward position on the fourth line, and weirdly enough, on the first power play unit, taking Kovalchuk's place, and it also enabled Adam Larson to draw into the game for his first playoff appearance at the time, and that... As you know, will become important later on.
0: Yes, and related to that, there were some changes in the Devils' lineup um, in, in light of the lack of Kovalchuk. For example, the Devils' fourth line, which was turned out to be a beloved fourth line, uh, the CBGB line. Well, that got broken up as Steve Bernier was moved up to play with. Um, he was moved up to play with, and I hope I get this right. I want to say it was Panakarovsky and Henrique. Yes. And then your top line turned – without Kovalchuk, of course, turned out to be David Clarkson, uh, Travis Zajac, and Z- – no, I'm sorry, Patrick Eliash, Zach Parise, and David Clarkson. Yep. And Zajac was then with – Zubris and Sikora. Thank you, Zubris. And that's right. This was Sikora's second tour of duty with the New Jersey Devils. Um he was not the most invisible Czech player in this game. We'll get to that in a moment. And your fourth line turned out to not only include Peter Harrell, but also had Ryan Carter and Steven Gianto, whereas Adam Larson played next to Anton Volchenkov. And um, your defense still had the the boss pairings of Andy Green with Mark Fane and Bryce Salvador with Marek Zydliskiy. So for
1: this replay of the game, we have Kenny Albert on the call with Pierre Maguire between the benches, and that <sighs> will become a point of contention later for us in particular. Uh, just to note, Brzezajlov at this point in the at this point in the series was 4-0 against the Devils with the win in Game One, and had beaten them all three times during the regular season, including shutting them out twice. This is someone who, initially, it looked like he had the devils figured out but as we learn later in this game and later on in the series it is not the case and really you could already start to see signs of that because the devils did put up you know after being shut out twice they managed to get three goals on him in game one so it's not like he was impossible for them it's just that he had gotten the best of them in the first couple of matchups but we get this game going and this Elias Parisi Clarkson unit starts quickly they they really start cycling the puck very well uh Parisi's strong on it and the first couple of flurries are in the devil's favor.
0: Absolutely. But unfortunately, things break down in 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 a counterattack later on. And it just goes into a, a fourth line versus fourth line matchup. And to give you a sense of how stacked and how deep the Flyers were, their fourth line was Matt Reed, Wayne Simmons, and Braden Shen. And Pierre McGuire. I regrettably have to say he was correct. That's not your typical fourth line because those three players are way too good to be on a fourth line. Yep, All three of them, each of them. The play breaks down. Matt Reed gets an easy chance in front where he just kind of duffs it. He doesn't really get a clean shot on it. It gets stopped. But uh, he ends up getting the rebound. He's kind of in no man's land. Steven Gianta is behind the play. Mark Fane is kind of stuck in the middle. So Reed has a wide open shot, and he's able to get it past the sprawled out Brodeur, uh for the game's first goal. Yeah, and – this is an
1: interesting thing to note as well because it was the first flyer shot of the game. Like I said, the Devils started with a bunch of you know flurry of attack, and this comes through, and you're thinking, okay, this fourth line is completely outmatching the Devils' fourth line with you know Kovalchuk out with everything switched up. And the interesting thing to note is that something that the broadcasters noted and that the Flyers participated in seven games of the playoffs so far, and the team scoring second one every single game. Up to that point, point. and we know obviously how this game ends. So it's an interesting thing that the Flyers weren't able to keep their initial, you know, goal-scoring momentum, but they did eventually warm to this game in the first period. They they managed to send some shots on goal. There was a crossbar as well. Um, there there's there's a lot of good things happening for the Flyers right after they scored the goal, and the Devils are kind of sitting back initially.
0: Until James Van Riemsdyk takes the first penalty of the game, mm-hmm. where he caught he takes a slashing call, and then almost immediately on that power play, um, things are just broken down. And Zach Parise gets a one on one with Rizgalov, and he hammers the post with authority. Like it was one of those plays where you just see him, you're, you realize, oh my goodness, he's wide open, and then unfortunately he doesn't beat the goal the goal frame. So. Yeah.
1: And the Devils' and first the... power play looked great actually they, it did it looked really much, nice it was moving they were moving the puck around nicely the only issue was the one that was the most obvious issue in that peter harold was taking the ilia kovalchuk position
0: right and obviously the, the flyers penalty killers Targeted that. And as you would, I mean, it's not only a player that's normally not playing that position, it was a player that normally doesn't play forward. Mm -hmm. You know, it is interesting to point out that even back in 2012, you still saw the 1 3 1 from both sides. In fact, the Flyers tended to play in this format too, where that was, you know, that formation of power play tactics has endured for the better part of the last decade and we even got to see that back then even with even with the devil sticking Zajac in the bumper in the middle of the in the middle of the formation and sticking a big body in front i believe it was Zubris in some cases mm-hmm. or Clarkson so yeah but peter harold obviously he was just put there to give him a different look and the flyers took that look yeah and, and
1: there's a lot of uh you know victimizing peter harold the flyers got some opportunities shorthanded as well as larson was pretty fortunate to have a two-on-one go off of him, but it was getting very close. So the, the Flyers, while they weren't getting too, too many shots on goal, they were finding some good lanes and good opportunities, and yes. the Devils weren't really punching back initially.
0: Not not at first, but eventually bit by bit, more and more as the period wore on, it did help that, you know, Timmonen took a hooking call, and, um, you know, even though Steven Giant took, took a slash later in the period, You know, eventually you start noticing the Devils are starting to push forward a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. They're getting a little few more opportunities. They're starting to, quote unquote, buzz a little bit more. And the next thing you know, the shots become even at 9-9 and then it becomes 10-9, 11-9 and and so forth. The Devils definitely ended the period in a much stronger position than they did at the start of the game. And truth be told, you know. Bernard did his job. He stopped all the other shots except for Reed's second attempt. You know, so it was one nothing, And it would it would have been an otherwise OK end to a road period coming off a playoff loss if it wasn't for Bryce Salvador mm-hmm. <laughs> and- deciding to staple a flyer to the boards literally at the end of the period to deny him a chance of playing the puck, which is, you know, textbook interference.
1: Yeah, so the flyers with their already potent power play get – another opportunity that comes with a full two minutes with fresh legs after the intermission. Again, Mm -hmm. this entire game, basically, it didn't feel like it was out of control for the devils at any point. It didn't feel too nervous. They definitely did get fortunate with some bounces that went their way, but really they worked for, they worked to limit Philadelphia's opportunities. And this all started, I think that teaming and slashing call was actually pretty weak. That, turn the momentum yeah. back in favor it was a of the weak devils. call yeah it was it was like barely anything there in terms of hooking on the hands but it was killing off this first penalty that started the second period that really put the devils on the front foot and they never looked back philadelphia did not get a single shot on this power play and really they didn't get a single shot in this period until about a minute and a half left so what That's happens right. in between then it's all devils
0: yeah i mean the devils racked up twenty five shooting attempts and twelve shots on net. All the while Pierre Maguire is <sighs> constantly claiming that the Flyers were comfortable with the pace of the game. That they were you know, they were understanding the pace. It even got to a point where Kenny Albert, the play by play guy, had to challenge Pierre Maguire to say, uh, Pierre, my understanding is that the Flyers are being outshot twelve to nothing right now, right? <laughs> like like you Just have to make sure he I, was look, still watching yeah exactly like it's one thing to say i'm fi- i'm comfortable with my situation in the sense of they were up one nothing and you could argue that during those 18 shotless minutes you know there were some rushes up ice where they could have had a legitimate scoring chances they could have crossed the royal road for a one timer they could have made this happen but they just failed 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 like yes there there were some bounces that went the devil's favor absolutely but there were guys missing Pat Passes going behind players. Passes not missing the mark. Devils defensemen just stepping up to deny the pass to begin with or forwards back checking. And the Devils just kept rolling forward and forward and forward. Um, You know, they were putting the pressure on Brizgalov. So – I'm, I'm going to be real with you. If you're comfortable with that, even with a one nothing lead, you know, your, you, your team sucks. And you're, you're, you as a commentator are basically trying to defend that. Oh, we're fine with being terrible. Um, there's a hundred percent
1: playing with fire. Like it, it felt less like the devils were chasing the game and more like it was a matter of time before they even things up. And, it's one thing to say it's a matter of time, and one thing to actually do it. But that second period, yeah. they probably got as close as they could have in terms of running the play. The the opportunities themselves weren't necessarily like all A plus opportunities, but they no. really they really managed to basically maintain possession of the puck the entire period. And there's some interesting moments that happened in between there. I mean, there was a too many men call that was obviously missed, but. You can argue yeah. that that's makeup for calling the chemo team and in hold. Let, let's say yeah. that's that's the case. Um, there's a couple of chances for Henrique, and he's very squirrely all game. He finds some nice opportunities. Uh, Volchenkov gets a shot off, and we forget how physical he was until we're reminded 15 times by Pierre as well. And really, you know. They did everything but score in this period. They they managed to hold the Flyers completely in their own end until the last minute and a half where they managed to get two shots on goal and not
0: much else. And the crowd cheered derisively (laughs) when that shot was and, yep. and it was it was a 60 footer from, you know, the blue line like it went had like zero less than zero chance of going in. Like even the fans were upset. Like, you know, it's bad when your team is leading in a playoff game at the end of the second intermission, you're getting booed off the ice. I mean, they understood that Brizgalov was the man and he was it was basically him all period. And um, ironically, the best save of the period did not come from Brisgolov though. It came from Steve Bernier. Yeah. And uh, Carter. And this was a criticism I wrote back in my recap of this game in 2012, which you can see, of course, on the site, is that um, the Devils, I felt, were being a little too cute, a little too clever with their scoring situations. Like there were plenty of situations where they don't necessarily make the most optimal pass or they decide, you know, I'm going to shoot this puck from 40 feet when even though I could take a second to skate 20 feet closer and take a better shot. You know, there was a lot of we're just shooting to shoot here on some of these cases. But um, Carter – like Bernier dropped the puck off in front of the net for Carter, and Carter had Brzezgalov beaten dead to rights. All he had to do was lift the puck three inches off the ground, and he would have scored. But Bernier was cutting across, and as fate would have it, <laughs> Bernier blocked Carter's goal. Yep. <laughs> like, like it was like – it was one of those cases where you, you know the Devils are just doing so, so well. Except they just couldn't score. And unfortunately, in a playoff game, you need to score. Simple act.
1: Yeah, it's and one of those, like, oh, God, what are we going to have to do here? Like, what has to it- happen to beat this guy?
0: And, and you have McGuire in your in your ears going on about, you know, the Flyers are appreciating the comfortable play and how, you know, the Devils weren't being aggressive enough. And, you know, they're really missing Kovalchuk. You know, if they had Kovalchuk, you know, things would be different. And, and it's like, Pierre, shut up. Can I get Tony Siragusa instead? Can I get Daryl Johnston to join Katie Albert? And can I get anybody else than Pierre McGuire calling <laughs> this?
1: Yeah, that would have been uh, nice. Cause you wouldn't have had to hear the same quotes about the Flyers being comfortable despite getting destroyed by shots in that second period. And, you know, they were, the ice was so tilted that even before they got that first shot off, LaViolette took his time out. It was 10 nothing right. shots with like nine minutes left in the second, and there was no Kovalchuk in the game. So the Devils are finding so many ways to get things on net and really take over the pace of the game. And you could re- realistically say that this was the period where the series turned on its head.
0: Yeah. And just as a, point of reference at the time you know there was a slow meme coming out of broad street hockey and flyer fans that peter laviolette was the master of the timeout Mm -hmm. i'm going to spoil something for you dan no (laughs) there's no such thing as a master of the timeout and this timeout did not help them yeah nor did nor did it help them that claudio turned you know he was also being called a magician at the time so i said yes he is a magician and he made himself disappear Mm -hmm. um he joined yarmir yager who Dan, did you realize that Yarmir Yager was in this game? So I didn't realize that he this
1: was the time where he was a flyer, actually. And
0: it, Yes, you wouldn't have known from this game that he was a flyer. Well, he
1: made the one pass, and we'll talk about that later. The the one, it, I, I would say not even made the pass. He whiffed the one pass that might have put away the game for the flyers. But um, that all being said, yeah, he was barely noticeable, which was strange. And he didn't exactly play on their first line he was what on their third or something like that
0: yeah and and again it's a testament to how the Flyers constructed their lineup their forwards again you know I can't stress this enough they were super deep at forward that you can put Yager and mind you he's not 40 at this time so you know he still had you know plenty of gas in the tank Mm uh you can put a guy of his skill set on a third line just like you can put a Braden Shen and a Wayne Simmons on your fourth line right but again, based on how he and a number of other Flyers played in this game, Max Talbot being another good example of like Giraud and Yager being totally invisible at five on five. Uh, you know, there was just a lot of passengers on the Flyers. And, you know, I can understand why Laviolette may, 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 called that timeout, you know, in the middle of the period, not off an icing, not off <laughs> an offside. Basically just to say, guys, we're in the playoffs. <laughs> we're getting ru- We're getting run off the ice right now. So either score a goal or... You know, get your you know whats in gear. Yeah,
1: and Pierre was alluding to that as well. He he mentioned midway through the first when the pace had really started to slow down. He mentioned LaViolette yelling to his bench saying, "Boys, we got to pick it up. Like we got to pick it up. We got to keep moving." And uh, it seems that the message was not received. But it took it, it didn't even take you know that length of time in the period. It took a penalty for the Flyers to actually um, produce their first shot of the second. So.
0: It, that's right. Adam Hen- Giroux slashed uh, Henrique, and then Henrique retaliated.
1: Yep. And he slashed and a like, stick right out of his hands.
0: Well, yeah. And that's always going to get you a call. Right. Like, that's like, that's obvious. Yeah, exactly. And it was one of the few bad things Henrique otherwise did in an awesome game where, you know, he played over 21 minutes. He had eight shooting attempts on his own, four shots on net. You know, he was almost, per- okay, he was less than he was seven for 15 at face-offs. But the point is, is that he had a great game and that penalty was stupid. Yeah, it was a bad one. But as we know about the flyers power play,
1: they were completely disorganized and, My note here was that, like, you can almost tell that the doubt's starting to creep in based on how this period went. Like, yes, they're maintaining the lead, but even Brizgalov was starting to mishandle pucks in his own zone. There was some miscommunication going on, Mm -hmm. and you can really see the mood shift in not only the the Flyers themselves, but in the building. It got significantly quieter as they saw their team just get bodied in that second period. The the only thing that wasn't in the devil's favor was the score.
0: Exactly, and... It's a testament to how well the Devils, as a whole, played. Like this was the period where you saw Marek Zidlicky. Now, for those of you who don't remember, I would I would describe Zidlicky's game playing style as a gambler. Uh, <laughs> defense is not a thing he likes to do. He likes to gamble. We call man. it high event. Yeah, high event is the is is the technical <laughs> analytic version. Gambler is the more like you know best way I could sum it up. He he's the guy who says. Okay, I'm playing blackjack and I just got a 10 ace. You know what? I'm not taking the insurance. I'm seeing the other the dealer has a black ace as well. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go pinch in here. I'm going to make this play happen. And just like in gambling, when you're when you're winning, you feel like you're going to win forever, but when you're losing, it feels like you're never going to win. Mm-hmm. But this was a night where Zidliski was he was winning blackjack. He he was uh, beating the dealer. He was stacking the chips. All his pinches, all his times to step up all his movements with the puck were absolutely perfect it was it, this game was an example while he was pointless in the game this game was a great example of why Zidliski had you know he was getting 20 to 22 minutes per game mm-hmm. this was also a great game for the green Fane Perry that did a, that shut down a lot of the Flyers offense before they could get a shot off I think Pierre Maguire literally turned into an Andy Green fan like near you know early in the third period <laughs> uh, which Hey, I'm glad he got on the train because Green and Fane was legitimately, you know, a top tier pairing despite not despite, you know, Green being an undrafted defenseman and Fane being a fifth rounder that got his shot during the John McClain era. Um
1: Yeah, Pierre was, you know, kind of dribbling all over himself talking about undrafted players when he was talking about David Clarkson, how great of a season he yep. had. And it's almost like you can tell that he notices Andy Green and is like, Oh, who's this? Hello. Yeah
0: oh, he made a great play and I've never heard of him and he and, and he's thinner than I am. Like Gave him the eyes. Give, give him the big up. Volchenkov had a very strong game next to um, Larson. Mm-hmm. This was a really good game, and in my opinion. like A lot of players stepped up in this second period and would go on to continue their good play in the third period, which helped lead to the decisive result that we saw at the end of this. And I just so, wanted to highlight them that, it, as you said, Dan, it started in this period, yeah. the scoreless period. Not It didn't mm-hmm. happen in the third period of wonder and excitement.
1: Right. And so let's take a quick break before we talk about the third period of wonder and excitement, because there's a lot more wonder and excitement this period than there has been in the game up to this point. So we'll be right back after this word. All right. Welcome back. And we rejoin in progress. The shots as it stands now are 25 to something like 12 or 13 for the Flyers, Um, 25 for the Devils, Thirteen for the Flyers, twelve for the Flyers. Maybe I don't know which one it 11 is. Eleven for the Flyers. Eleven for the Flyers. Okay, so it's even it's less. It's not even long. that much. It was a uh, twelve to two in that second period in favor of the Devils, and we, as we mentioned, the Devils have pretty much wrestled control of this game entirely from the Flyers, and there was a possibility that this may not, this momentum may not have lasted, as the Zilitsky that we were praising immensely before took an offensive zone elbowing penalty, and yeah. the. <laughs> Ridiculously impotent Flyers power play hits the ice again, and the Devils' best regular season power play, or sorry, penalty kill, penalty kill, completely shuts them down.
0: Well, you have to give a lot of credit to Scott Hartnell. Now, for those of you who are not aware of the Philadelphia Flyers, they have a long tradition of supporting and highlighting character players. Mm. Players with toughness, Dan, mm-hmm. players with grit. You know, none of these, you know, you know, little weak, wussy little skill set players. We're talking about men, Dan. Yep. And Scott Hartnell was a man. And he, and like a man, he got his stick. He lost his stick. And he saw Travis Zajac starting to skate away on a shorthanded breakaway. So he grabbed his stick and, and played inside of everybody. And like a man, he went to the penalty box to end his team's power play to give a four on four situation that would turn out to be very good the new jersey devils.
1: yeah he less so grabs a stick and more so borrowed it without his permission <laughs> uh he was like i lost mine can i get yours as if this four on five opportunity that was developing for the devils wouldn't be the most obvious place to call a stick just suddenly going missing from one of the pen- penalty killer's hands and so we end up with this four on four um opportunity that Four-on-four moment, I'd say. I guess it's not really an opportunity because it's still even strength, but it ends up being an opportunity for the Devils as Zubris. um, he, He leads this initial rush. He does a power move towards the net and doesn't see Peter Harrell just furiously calling for the puck. Uh,
0: You could hear him yell Z in the broadcast.
1: It was impressive because now we're getting a bunch of broadcasts that don't have crowd noise in them, given the current sports situation. But despite all the crowd noise that was going on, and maybe this was um, the devil silencing the crowd a little bit in that second period, but Harold was screaming for the puck. He was ready to receive that. It didn't matter in the end, as that play eventually develops into a dump in, you know, the force in from Zubris, and the puck... Eventually, another shot from the rush uh, goes—I think it's from Harold, and it goes to Zubris, and Zubris drops it off to a Larson that's pinching in, a la uh, the advice of Larry Robinson. And Larson puts it short side, glove side, and the Devils tie the game up, and all that effort is suddenly yielded a situation that's very favorable to New Jersey if they can carry this momentum forward.
0: Right, and I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Briere and Van Rimsdijk on this play, because just after Peter Harrell took the shot, both of them started pushing forward as if they were going to try to catch Adam Larson in a two-on-one. And thanks to Zubris and Timonen, and Zubris was bodying Kimo Timonen uh-huh. here. Like, you know, you know so Harrell's shot is low, Brisgala stops it, it gets, it gets through the bodies, and it comes because it comes out the way it does, Zubris is like in the perfect positional, in the perfect Physical position to basically box out teaming because Zubris is a big dude. Right. Like he, the Lithuanian freight train is a legit six six, you know two twenty, you know big stack of man meat. You know <laughs> you're not going to just get past this guy when he's boxing boxing you out. And he deftly, deftly Dan drops a backhanded pass to put Larson in total space. And because I because Briere and Van Riems like pushed forward early. That's why Larson was able to feel comfortable to pinch up like he was Marek Zidliski, mm-hmm. take that step up into the circle and fire a beautiful shot, past Zgalov. And even though that only tied up the game, you could tell, in, especially in retrospect, you could tell that was almost like a, a like a stomach punch to the Flyers. Like mm-hmm. they were just doubled over after that goal because uh, –
1: Oh yeah. They ahead. just
0: did not do much of anything after that.
1: Yeah, and if you thought that the momentum was very lopsided, at you know before that. It's you'd think that the Flyers would try to counterpunch, would try to, you know, get a little energy from the crowd going back. No. The Devils continue to absolutely buzz around the Flyers' zone. They're completely pushing the pace, and it, Simmons does get an opportunity a little, uh, you know, five minutes-ish into the third, but the, the de- bounces are going the Devils' way off the boards. Brizgalov looks completely unsure of himself handling the puck. Brodor is basically, after that first period, just pitching a tent in the devil's zone waiting for things to happen and yep. the devils you know they they keep up the pace but at some point they have to realize that listen we've just played three overtime games i don't know what the fatigue factor is three overtime games in a row rather i don't know what the fatigue factor is like we have to get at least one more because you never know what could happen in overtime they could have bodied them the whole game and then the flyers get some silly goal and all of a sudden it's over
0: yeah exactly and that's always the big concern with especially given the situation with the series you know the playoffs are the ultimate results oriented you know part of the game mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you outshoot them outplay them control the ice it matters did you score did you <laughs> uh, uh, cuz if you didn't you know you go into the potential center down to nothing in the series and everything changes mm-hmm. thankfully the flyers did not counterpunch or Rather, they did not counterpunch effectively, and the Devils kept going. Henrique had a great opportunity in the slot that he got denied on. Um, but you could tell the you know the Flyers were basically they were discombobulated, mm-hmm. like they were just disorganized. Like it was it, like in a one-one game. Like in retrospect, I think Laviolette probably wished he had his timeout then, because yeah, he probably say. that would have been that would have been the best time to say, "Hey guys, it's one-one. <laughs> we're not down you know four-one yet." Uh, spoiler alert, the final score of this game was four, one, but you know, relax, you know, you got this, just start putting some good, good things together. And, and, you know, you'll build things back. You guys, this is the second round. You're not a bunch of scrubs. You know, that would have been the message I would have given if I was Peter Laviolette in that situation, but he burned his time out in the second period where nobody apparently listened to him then. And he didn't get listened to very well in the second intermission. Uh, Lord knows whatever he said. And, um, so the Devils just keep knocking on the door, and we finally get another breakthrough. Yeah, and this happens very quickly.
1: It happens off of a face-off, basically, as the puck is uh, initially pushed towards the net. There's Couturier wins the draw, but then Parisi yes. kind of outmuscles Grossman, and Coburn stick breaks on the back end of all of this, and Parisi yeah. finds himself right in front instead of... What I assume he was going for in terms of a shot, he finds Clarkson, who is completely open. There's at least three flyers standing around doing nothing. And Clarkson and Coburn without a stick. Exactly. Yeah. And Co- Coburn trying to do the best he can without a stick. You're right. But um, Clarkson follows that in, and we get the... Pretty iconic shot of Clarkson landing on top of the net almost in a crowd-surfing fashion as the Devils take a 2-1 lead. And this wouldn't be the first time that Clarkson scored a silly goal against the Flyers this series, but this would be arguably the most important
0: one. And just as importantly for Clarkson, this was his first goal of the playoffs. I think people forget that this was the season where Clarkson had 30 goals. Mm -hmm. Like if you're wondering why Toronto paid him a ridiculous amount of money, Mm -hmm. ludicrous money. On a ludicrous contract, it was partially because of this season. So the fact that he was goalless throughout the entire Florida series was shocking, considering you would expect your 30 goal scorer from the regular season to be, you know, a little bit more on the score sheet. Mm -hmm. But this was a classic example of a bang, bang play. It was a perfect example of how hard of a worker Parise was back then. And to a degree still is. But like he's older and now he's on Minnesota where they may not work so hard. (laughs) Yes, that was a shot at the wild. Take that. Please, 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 um, please lose to Vancouver, by the way. Um, but more seriously, though, this was the definition of bang, bang play. Like, you know, you you run this play 10 times, you may get 10 different results. But this was the one time where the puck was perfectly hit off of Clarkson's stick blade. It beats Brzezgolov clean. Uh, Brzezgolov did not have much of a chance. In it. And of course, because it's David Clarkson, He's kind of out of control with the skating, so he just piles into the goal frame and gives us an iconic uh, goal celebration with Parise literally hugging him while he's draped over the uh, the water bottle.
1: Yeah, that one felt real good. That one was the moment where the entire push that the Devils had had up until this point felt vindicated. They They really took this lead and... You know, Even more credit to them at that point, they did not sit back on it. It was 31-18 to 18 in shots on goal with about 7.38 left in the game, and this Parisi-Eliash Clarkson line was buzzing yet again, but it's not them who end up scoring the back-breaking third goal. It's actually Travis Zajac and a Steven Gianta shot goes to Zajac <laughs> as he falls. Apparently, everyone is really interested in how Steven Gianta falls because three flyers are staring at him in the crease as Zajac takes a wraparound, is basically unchallenged by Brzezgalov himself as well, and he finds an entire open net with a backhand to make it 3-1 to one New Jersey.
0: Well, you have to give a lot of credit to Dinah Zubris because he was also crashing the net at the same time. And again, you know, six foot six, you know, six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds of man meat and so forth, you know, <laughs> draws a lot of attention, more so than the barely five seven. I don't think he even is five seven. He might be five six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Gianta. But yeah, Gianta just charges the net here, gets a close shot. His shot is actually blocked by a flyer. It actually didn't get to Brisgalov. Um but Zajac was also charging that he gets a close shot at the right post that Brzgalov stops. The puck fortunately bounces right back to Zajac in such close quarters. So Zajac just continues in his momentum to go around the net and wrap it around, while you know Gustafson is just like I'm gonna try to catch you, but I'm just not. Forget it. It's just not happening. And this is just another example of how completely out of sorts the Flyers were because nobody in orange was at the left post. Like mm-hmm. you see. The Gianta was cutting to the right. You saw Zajac going down the right. You see big Z coming down the middle. Logic dictates that you have somebody on the back end to prevent what Zajac would have done. At least have a body there. So if he's going to do it, make him, you know, you know, make him feel something. Yeah, that, that was my hand. You know, my fist hitting my hand as, as a representation of what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> uh, but
0: Emphasis. Good but radio. No, nobody, <laughs> but nobody was there. Absolutely nobody was there. And Zajac scores a lovely looking rap wrap around. It was his fifth playoff goal. He's the only devil to have not scored his first playoff goal of the playoffs in, in this particular game. Um put the devils up 3-1, and you could hear a pin drop at the Wells Fargo Center. If you thought you could hear Parise yelling and yapping in, in celebration with Clarkson, then you totally heard everybody happy for Zayjack here. Cause the flyers fans were just like, forget it, man. Yeah. It, 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 it's Philadelphia. Forget it, man.
1: Yeah. The devil's bench was hyped. They were, they were ready to celebrate that Zayjack goal. And the energy from the flyers has been completely sapped at this point. The building is silent. It is, it is very clear that this game was something that while the scoreline may not suggest that it was very lopsided, it was indeed extremely lopsided. And, the best opportunity that the Flyers had, they actually um Zubers took a penalty with about five minutes left and in order yeah. to
0: match maxim- I don't even know what the penalty was. It was called interference, yeah. but I've watched it and even back in twenty twelve I'm like, I don't know what this penalty was.
1: Yeah, and it was definitely a weird one. I, I don't I don't know what they saw, but in the at the end it led to a very fun stat in, that is a Bryce Salvador shorthanded goal. Uh, That is not something (laughs) you'll see very often or even ever really on a casual basis so as brisgolov came out to make it a six on four opportunity for philadelphia salvador just rolled a shot towards the empty net for a shorthanded goal and if they were hyped for the zajac goal they were triply as hyped for the salvador goal because it was his first in a hundred games he hadn't scored a goal in any game since march 2010 and he ices this with an empty net shorthanded goal bryce salvador first the playoffs and we know that this playoff year he would be ridiculous
0: yeah he would go on a heater he would get on fire you know if you touch the man you you would get a first degree burn on your finger that's how hot his scoring was but this was the the genesis of this and it was one of you know empty net goals by their definition Dan are typically not very pretty ones you know a lot of them more often than not they're they're prayers (laughs) from 180 feet away and you know, they miss the net more often than not. And your hope in a situation like this, you don't get mad about it because it's a penalty kill. So you, you're allowed to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's even up, when it's even strength and it becomes icing, then you just start, start getting worried. Cause they're like, great. Now you gave up a five on six and you're starting in your own end and you can't change. And okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. but Salvador throws up this arc that barely makes it beyond the flyers blue line and just dribbles bounces, you know, heaves its way into the net, and and I didn't catch which flyer was the first to the empty net. I want, I don't know if it was Giroux, but he he was so disgusted by it, he didn't even bother smashing his stick against the net in frustration. He was just like, forget it, I'm done, I'm just done, just end this. Um, you know, while Danny Briere was probably puck watching, he wasn't, you know. Cause Danny Breer puck watches a lot. Right. That's the joke. Um, but no, this, this was, this was a killer. It just boosted the score. The devils and the few devil fans in Philadelphia were just beyond ecstatic. And rightfully so for Salvador, he played a very yeomans like game workman like game, you know, good, good, smart game, nothing silly from Salvador except for his stupid interference penalty at the end of the first period. Mm. And And then we got to see some Philadelphia being Philadelphia, Dan. Yeah, and the
1: scrappiness at the end of the game uh, manifested as a roughing penalty matching for Clarkson and Andreas Lilia, a misconduct for Maxime Talbot. And then at the 20-minute mark of the third period, Wayne Simmons gets a roughing and a misconduct. So clearly they're upset about the result of this game. Clearly there's some... Uh, chippiness after, but it was largely inconsequential because none of the Devils really got involved. Th- this team wasn't one that had a lot of ruffians. This this team basically was Clarkson, and that's it.
0: Yeah, and and there was even some stuff that wasn't called. For example, uh, Giroux threw a f- pretty blatant slew foot on Clarkson mm-hmm. um, shortly after the empty net goal. like A straight-up, like, I'm just going to ram my knee into the back of your knee, and, and thankfully Clarkson was not injured from it, but you know, it was just a testament to a, you know, Clarkson. I'm sorry, Giroux. You know, being a perfect Philadelphia Flyer. Um, you know, getting mean and nasty when things don't go their way and not winning a championship in the last thirty years. You know, <laughs> that's just you know how he does. He's a Flyer legend, Dan. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, if, if you can't get the win, make it look mean. And you know, Lilja was unhappy, and Clarkson was, just understandably unhappy because Giroux slew footed him right. a minute earlier. The puck went to the Devils bench. They had a beef. Talbot got in the middle of that beef when I'm I have a and I think he threw a sucker punch. That's probably what he got in the ten. And then Simmons got his two and a ten, presumably for throwing a hit at the end of the game and lipping off to the ref. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the refs just wanted to make a point to say, look, that was stupid. Get out of here.
1: Yeah, and it Um, was it was so you know, the Flyers the narrative surrounding the flyers in that playoff season was about how much they frustrated the penguins and how much they physically intimidated them. I think because the devils generally avoided engaging with them on situations like this, like it was literally just Clarkson that they were all going after. He got under all of their skin extremely quickly. And, you know, none of the other devils really engaged with any sort of chicanery like this, you know, Verdure maybe a little bit because at this point he had seen it all, but, Other than that, I don't think the Flyers were able to effectively get in the devil's heads that way as they just kind of kept things down low. And this was a needed, needed total team effort without Kovalchuk. I mean, he made such an impact on that team and on that playoff run that this game was something that it was essentially do or die without him do you get too demoralized to uh you know play well at home worrying about the status of his health or do you win this game and hope that he can come back but know that you can win without him and i think this proved to a lot of members of that team that they were so much deeper than just their star players
0: yeah and and one of the Results of this series as a whole, you know, looking back at what I what I've written on the site in 2012 and what other fans on the site said in 2012 is that one of the big reasons for that was the game plan. Mm -hmm. It was the coaching. This was a series where Peter DeBoer basically coached out coached Peter Laviolette out of a paper bag. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a terrible metaphor, but go with it. The point is, is that DeBoer put together his plan such that, yes, they didn't have Kovalchuk for this game, but you know what? We're going to stick to this. We're going to continue to be aggressive with a two-man four check. We're going to continue to um, push forward on the penalty kill even without Kovalchuk because he was a regular on the penalty kill back then. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to continue the same style of play that, you know what? Yeah, Peter Harold on the wing on a 1-3-1 power play looks awkward, and it was awkward. But at the end of the game, you can't sit there and say that Peter Harold had a bad game. Like the dude had four shots in in under seven minutes of ice time. You just wanted him to fill a spot – not, t- not do anything stupid move some pucks around job done you know he was present and not a
1: detriment that's all he had to do
0: correct and it's a it's a testament to how well the team performed um i'm sorry it's a testament to how the coaching took care of this game that the team performed as well as they did in total and especially after that second period because you know believe it or not dan you know at the time i was still concerned that as a fan, you know, the Devils did everything but score in that second period. Mm-hmm. Your concern is it's one nothing. Maybe Philadelphia gets their minds right and starts playing a hockey game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you lose the game in the third period or you fail to tie it up in the third period because the Flyers tighten everything up. You know, there was definitely a real concern that, you know, that second period was your shot mm-hmm. and you didn't score on it. But it turned out, thankfully, the Flyers Continue to play a bad hockey game, and the Devils continue to play a good game. They didn't get demoralized by not scoring. And again, I credit the coaches as, as much as I credit the players.
1: That 2012 theme was resilience. It was resilient to get out of that first round with two overtime wins when trailing the series 3-2. to two. It was resilient to uh, play this game so well, uh, despite giving up the first goal, but to play this game so well without their best player really, you know— I think captured the spirit of that team better than any other game in that run. Um, I, I think, you know, you can make a couple of arguments for games against the Rangers where basically they had a similar narrative in terms of the game, but Lundqvist managed to out-duel Brodeur on those nights. But it, with all this being said, you could really see them start to come together and uh, show the capabilities they need for a deep run by beating this Flyers team without Kovalchuk. And so, that 4 one result that happened way back in may of 2012 may 1st uh, that's that's our game for the day and as usual once there are updates on you know concrete updates we want to say once there are concrete updates on any sort of um, developments within the nhl labor talks or the return to play format or anything regarding trades or transactions we'll be sure to have it but We'll also be sure to let you know if we're watching a game off the top, and we'll link it um, in the post that has the podcast as well. So John, anything else to add before we uh, let the people go for the day?
0: Uh, Not at the moment, Dan, but I'd like to thank all the people who continue to listen to us um, amid a very, very long offseason.
1: Make sure you keep an eye out for information. Make sure that you don't tweet about things prematurely and also make sure you're keeping everyone safe around you and really keeping yourself safe because what's the point of watching hockey if you're not well enough to watch it that being said thanks for joining us on the garden state of hockey podcast we'll see you guys next week